0: Hey family, this is Elder Topaz and I want to welcome you to the Mirrors and Microscopes broadcast. This is always a reflective journey in how we do leadership and how we do life in the kingdom of God. I pray that this broadcast finds you doing well and blessed and favored even in the midst of these challenging and unusual times. Now listen, I'm still super excited about this series that we're currently in, Chronicles of the Underdog. Now I pray that this series has ministered to you, that it's caused you to reflect, that it's caused you to do some introspection, and that it even challenged your faith. So tonight, we're going to dive into part two of this session entitled Buck Naked. In part one, which was last broadcast, we discussed the significance of vulnerability when solidifying our covenant relationships. But with this session, we're going to discuss six characteristics that should be evident as a result of your vulnerability when entering covenant relationships. And we're discussing all of this through the perspective and lens of the covenant between Jonathan and David. Now, listen, we have a lot to unpack. So let's go ahead and pray. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. We give you glory and praise. God, we thank you, Father, because you have us exactly where you want us to be in an uncomfortable place, in a vulnerable place, in a submissive place, in a pruning place, in a reflective place, in an introspective place, in a humble place, in a ripe place place and ultimately you have us in a place that requires your obedience despite what we can see and despite what we cannot see May even though we feel shaken we feel uneasy we feel challenged your grace is yet sufficient so God don't let us cower down because of our thorns don't let us get ghost and run away because of our thorns. God, don't let us shrink back because of our thorny places. But you said in your word that your strength is made perfect in the areas where we are weak, in the areas that give us pause, and in the areas where we may be afraid to allow others to touch. So God, in this moment, in this time, and in this season, God, strengthen us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. A man. All right. Are y'all ready for part two? All right. Well, let's go. Let's dive right on in. Okay, so just a quick recap from last broadcast. If you missed it, go back to my YouTube channel or on Anchor, listen to it and get caught up. Because we began assessing the level of vulnerability Jonathan demonstrated to David to solidify their covenant relationship in 1 Samuel 18 verses 1 through 5. Now through this demonstration, he began stripping himself of his royal garments and his offering Armor, and he began covering David and dressing David with them as a sign and signature that he was all in and that he was invested in establishing this covenant with David. We also discuss the significance of each garment that Jonathan covered and dressed David with. So go back and listen to that because it is so significant. It is so valuable, especially As men and women of God, um, as people in the gospel, as, as those who may be even new to the faith, the significance of what you're willing to lay down, of what you're willing to sacrifice, of what you're willing to give. It means something. The level that you give, the level that you give on in regards to solidifying a covenant relationship, that means something. It says something. So I want you to go back and listen to that and really process that and really um, take time to pray on that. Um, But we also discussed something very uh, significant, which is the uh, difference between transparency and vulnerability. And I do want to review this portion of last broadcast so I can set the precedence for tonight's session. So oftentimes, Um, we don't mind being transparent with people, right? And we definitely don't mind being transparent Parent with people that we believe want to establish covenant with us but it's the vulnerability that's the challenge and so that's why we need to talk about the difference because oftentimes with transparency you can pretty much tell someone anything that you want to tell them you can disclose any information that you want to and still have control of that moment because transparency and vulnerability are closely entwined and each one engages the other person or engages the receiver in a unique way so transparency is how much information you can share transparency is the truth and meaning behind your actions behind your words but vulnerability vulnerability is something i learned that blew my mind vulnerability comes from the latin word that means wound a wound w-o-u-n-d and so vulnerability is the state of being open to injury you're opening yourself up there is a wound that's open that may not even be healed yet but it's the state of emotional exposure that comes with a certain degree of uncertain uncertainty you don't know um oftentimes you're not sure if that person is going to reject you if they're going to receive your vulnerability but you're opening them up to a side of you that's open to injury that's open to possibly being hurt, that's open to possibly uh, being um, not received. And so that's the, the chance you take when you take acts of vulnerability and demonstrate your vulnerability. Vulnerability involves a person's willingness to accept the emotional risk that comes from being open, being open to love and being loved, being open to submission and for someone to submit to you but newsflash, you got to keep this in mind that people don't submit to who or what they do not trust. You can't make somebody submit to you. You can't lord over someone and try to control uh, the submission of someone to you or you to someone else. People do not. I promise you, people do not submit to who and what they don't trust. So if someone that you consider a covenant a person in your life. If you consider this part of your covenant relationship. And there is no submission. That's a problem. That's a red flag. That needs to be submitted before the Lord. So take that. Pray on that. Um. Also vulnerability uh, comes with the risk. Um. That it's possible that when you give respect, that respect may not come back to you. So, to give respect and be respected may be challenged. Um, it opens you up to the fact that you have to let your guard down and be open to criticism. Are you open to constructive criticism? Are you open to wanting to receive feedback that's going to grow you, that's going to make you better, that's going to take you to the next level? Being vulnerable and stepping in that place of vulnerability puts you in that position where you may receive criticism. We're not perfect, right? We're all works in progress. We're all our own construction site, right? But people who are in covenant, are willing to be a part of your building process, are willing to be a part of where you're going. And they're committed to giving you that feedback, giving you that accountability that you need to move forward. Also, vulnerability is showing a part of yourself that may, you may have some sensitivity about. You may feel some type of way about it. And it's exposing something that makes you feel seen by others, that they actually see you now. They know the real deal about you now. And so when you become in a vulnerable state where you're exposing yourself, you run the risk of being exposed on deeper levels. Are you ready for that? Can you handle that? I believe you can. God has given us grace. He's given us strength. He's given us power. He's given us the Holy Spirit to be able to do that, but to do it with the right people, right? Your covenant tribe to do it with someone who has agreed to be in covenant with you. So remember that. Also, when we talk about the difference between vulnerability and transparency, vulnerability is more uncomfortable than transparency. Like I said earlier, you can control transparency. You can tell people whatever you want to tell them when you want to tell them. But vulnerability is actually stepping out and demonstrating. It's it's doing something. It's an action. Okay? Vulnerability also is a demonstration to someone who agrees to go on the journey of vulnerability with you. It doesn't feel good to be the only person who is being vulnerable. It's a two-way street. If you're vulnerable with me, I'll be vulnerable with you. If I demonstrate my vulnerability, will you be vulnerable with me, right? People have to be willing to go on that journey with you because, and the reason why is sometimes we get it twisted, right? Because we're vulnerable to the wrong people who haven't even demonstrated that they even want to or deserve to be a part of us. Sometimes we do it as as a sacrifice, Not even knowing that that person doesn't even value the level of vulnerability that you have um, acquiesced to. That you have been courageous enough to step into. And that's the part where we become naked. That's the part where we're saying, I'm willing to become naked in front of you. Why is it so hard for us to be naked before someone spiritually And to be vulnerable with who we really are. Why is it so hard to do that? Why is it so easy for us to become naked physically? We taking my clothes off. You see every part of me. But you don't want to get naked when it comes to the inner parts of who you are. Why is it easy for me to be naked physically in front of you? When I can't be naked spiritually in front of you. That's a problem. I don't want you to be naked in front of me physically if I can't see inside of you. If I can't see inside of you spiritually, if I can't see who you really are. All that physical pulchritude means nothing if I can't see who you really are. So pray about that. Pray about people who are willing to get physically naked with you fleshly in fleshly realms in fleshly settings in a fleshly context and not open themselves up to you in a godly way in a spiritual way all right so enough of that let's go ahead and jump in this word so between first samuel 8 the 18th chapter through samuel the 20th chapter there are lots of examples multitudes of examples of the covenant relationship between jonathan and david in first samuel 18 5 and 11 which opened up this vulnerable place that jonathan went to um, before david jonathan made a covenant with david giving him his rich garments his priestly garments his royal garments his sword his bow and etc and the text said said that whatever mission Saul sent David on. David was so successful in that mission that Saul gave him rank. And now in the midst of that, Saul grew jealous of David's acclaim and his godly success, so much so that Saul continued his streak of failed attempts to murder David. I mean, attempt after attempt, Saul attempted to murder David over and over again. And as David's reputation continued to grow, Saul began to see David as a threat, so much so. That at some point, he even ordered his son, Jonathan, to set David up and assassinate him. But one thing I love about Jonathan, Jonathan's commitment, his devotion, and his bond was so deep for David that he not only warned David of his father's treachery and his intentions, but he covered him. So much so that Jonathan even defended David and pled his case to Saul saying in first Samuel 19 verses four through six. And I'm going to read this from the living Bible translation. And this is what Jonathan said when he was defending David to his father. He said, David has never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way that he could. He, have you forgotten About the time he risked his life to kill Goliath and how the Lord brought a great victory to Israel as a result. Have you forgotten about that? Then Jonathan goes and checks his father. And he says, you certainly were happy about it when he did that. Why should you now murder an innocent man? There's no reason for all of this. And then in verse six, let's look at Saul's response finally Saul agreed and vowed this is what Saul said he said as the Lord lives he shall not be killed now y'all know Saul was a lion wonder all up and through here he was a lion wonder and y'all know how folks y'all know how folks would do they'll say all the right things they'll say it with a straight face and that spirit that they have on the inside of them it's still plotting and scheming all while they have a straight face, all while they're telling you all the things you want to hear. And they're just agreeing with you, right, to get you off their back. That's what Saul was doing. He was just agreeing with his son just so his son could be quiet. But y'all know me. I probably would have been slain and not killed, but killed. K-I-L-T. I would have been killed on that day because I would have told Saul, you lying, You are lying, and those that know me know I call it like I see it, period. But Saul was lying because he was dealing with a spirit that could not shake the fact that he was so jealous and enraged by Saul's gift, by his anointing, by who he was. So he couldn't even help himself. Sometimes you just got to pray for people because they can't even help uh, the spirit that they have on the inside of them. So we have to pray for him, right? But anyway, I digress. But when we talk about the six characteristics of covenant relationships um, that should manifest from our vulnerability, these are the things of fruit that you should see from your vulnerability when you're entering a covenant relationship. Let's talk about that. These are the six things that you should see um, when you're, entering into a covenant relationship one connection which is divine connection two capacity three consistency four covering five a compact or consent some type of consent and then six commitment I'm gonna say that again The six characteristics of covenant relationships that should manifest as our demonstration of vulnerability when we're entering covenant relationships are these. One, connection, divine connection. Two, capacity. Three, consistency. Four, covering. Five, there should be a compact or some type of consent. And six, commitment. So number one, let's talk about connection. So, as Jonathan began to observe Dave, David and study him, he studied his gift. He studied his loyalty to his father, Saul. He studied his obedience, his passion. The word said that Jonathan became knitted to him. He became bonded to him and loved him as he loved himself. So Jonathan saw the God in him. And we have to remember that when we're entering covenant relationships, it's all about God, God's will, God's purpose, what God has intended for that particular covenant. So when you're building and cultivating connections, divine connections, ask yourself these questions. What's my why? Why am I drawn to this person? And why is there a desire or a longing or why do I feel compelled to connect to this individual? Once this godly connection is made, so once the connection is made, then begin an assessment of the connection to determine their why. And to determine if their why and your why is aligned. Ask yourself, is this for purpose is this for growth and empowerment is growth and empowerment assigned to this connection is this going to promote a healthy relationship or friendship or connection and with this connection are we going to grow in wisdom and stature wisdom and stature represents maturity are we going to grow are we going to mature you should never be in a covenant relationship where you remain stagnant where you are not growing where you are not growing in wisdom and in stature amen So ask yourself those questions when it comes to connection. Number two, capacity. Do we have the capacity for the assignment? If you're not sure, if you have the capacity, are you willing to position yourself to build that capacity for the assignment? And if so, if you're invested in the covenant relationship, and there is an agreement between you, then those assigned to it should be willing to build their capacity for the sake of a relationship and for the sake of this covenant relationship. So if you encounter a connection that you believe is a part of a covenant relationship and they're not willing to build capacity or they don't have the capacity, then it's okay. Don't get mad don't get bitter, don't get salty, don't be petty because that is your evidence that the connection was not purposed for covenant. I'm going to say that again. If they do not have the capacity for the covenant relationship, if they're not willing to build the capacity for the covenant relationship, then that connection was not purposed for covenant point blank period. They need to remain in the outer court of your life. They're not built for covenant, not for you, not for your relationship. And lastly, if you both have the capacity to cultivate the covenant, do you understand your role in this covenant? Do you understand the assignment in this covenant? Because understanding your role and understanding the assignment is critical. People waste a lot of time because those that they believe that were in covenant in their life, that they believe were a part of covenant, they didn't know their role and they understood the assignment. They didn't take it seriously and they let the assignment fall to the ground. And that's what we don't want. So make sure that those who are going into covenant with you understand their role and understand their assignment. David and Jonathan both knew and understood their roles in each other's lives and understood their assignment. Jonathan wasn't intimidated. By David's gift and his anointing and the destiny that was on his life. And David wasn't overwhelmed by Jonathan's royalty or his influence or his power and his position. So both people knew their role. Both people knew the assignment and they agreed to flow in that. It didn't get in the way of the covenant. Number three, consistency. This is one that's huge for me. I don't know about anybody else. But consistency there should be consistency within and regarding the covenant because in that covenant and regarding that covenant it's more than always being there and being available cuz a lot of times we equate consistency with always being there and always being available but some people are always there to be nosy always there to be messy always there to find fault always there to be in opportunities opportunists and always there to see if you're going to fail or fall. And most times, some people are always there to see if there's going to be some collateral damage or fallout from your missteps. So consistency looks a little different with covenant. Just because they're always there doesn't mean that they're there for the right reasons. But this is the definition that I want to emphasize with regard to covenant relationships consistency this is the definition for covenant relationships it's free from contradiction it's compatible it's befitting it's proper it's suitable your words your actions and your deeds must be consistent with the nature of the covenant not the nature of your will not the nature of your agenda and not the nature of your ulterior motive I'm gonna say that again When we talk about consistency in regards to covenant relationships, it's free from contradiction, free from um, lies. It's compatible. It's befitting. It's proper. It's proper. It's suitable. Your words, your actions, and your deeds are consistent with the nature of the covenant, not the nature of your will, not the nature of your agenda, and not the nature of your ulterior motive. Number four. Let's look at number four. Number four is covering. So with covering, uh, there was a point when David went back to serving Saul. And so once again, he battled the Philistines bravely and won. And again, David went to soothe Saul with music. And when a terrible spirit uh, was coming up on Saul again. Saul became enraged again. And just as he had done before, Saul tried to kill him. He threw a spear at David. David ran away. So Saul was telling, wasn't telling the truth, which we already said earlier, he was a lying wonder That, that spirit um, overtook him again. And so Saul sent men to David's house and told them to kill him in the morning because David ran away. So Saul was like, no, nah, you're not getting away from me we're going to sell this in the morning. I'm going to have him killed. So David told Jonathan that Saul was really trying to kill him. He said, what have I done? What crime have I committed? I haven't done anything to harm your father. So why is he trying to kill me? And I'm in first Samuel, the 20th chapter, the first verse. And so Jonathan even wondered why his father would try to hide his plans for him. But David knew it because of Jonathan's close relationship with David. And so, um, He knew that Jonathan uh, would vow that he would never let Saul kill him. And he knew that because he was his heart. So the two men came up with a way to derail Saul's plans. And so uh, David said, tomorrow is the time for the noon moon harvest or the new moon feast. I'm supposed to eat with him. I'm supposed to eat with Saul tomorrow, but let me go and hide in the field and I'll stay there for three days. Um, until the evening of that last day which was 3 days and so he said your father might miss me so if he does miss me and ask about me tell him that I uh you gave me permission to go to a family reunion in Bethlehem and if he's okay with that then we're good I'm safe but if he becomes angry he's going to harm me. And I'm in first Samuel 20 verses five through seven. So you can see that immediately Jonathan had more allegiance. He had more loyalty. He was willing to cover David despite the fact that his father was proven over and over again to try to kill him. And so that takes a great faith it takes great grace it takes a, a level of being willing to posture yourself and position yourself to cover someone even against your family who may not even uh agree with those you're going into covenant with but jonathan was willing to cover david and david the same for jonathan uh the next thing the fifth thing is there has to be some type of compact or consent involved with both people. Now, we talked about the noon festival that was going on. And so the new moon festival um, was celebrated every month. Uh, and so Jonathan promised David that he would find out what his father was planning. So he had promised him that. Uh, and so he would let David know when he found out what the plan was. Then the two young men made a vow that they were a compact. They made a consent uh, to each other they made a vow that they will always be kind to one another do good even to their children and grandchildren as long as they both live and Jonathan came up with a secret code to tell David if he was in danger or not because they were trying to find out what Saul's true intentions was even though David had discernment he knew what what was up with Saul but it took some time for Jonathan to truly see uh, what was manifesting before their eyes so they came up with a secret code in which to tell Jonathan if he was in danger or not, and he told David to go out to a nearby field and wait by a certain stone. And after the feast, he would find out Saul's plans and he would shoot three arrows near that large stone. Then he would send his servant boy out to go get the arrows. If Saul was not planning to harm them, Jonathan would shout, The arrows are on this side of you. But if Saul was planning to kill David, Jonathan would shout, Go farther the arrows are ahead of you, then David would have to run far away. So already they made this compact that look, not only am I going to cover you, but I'm going to make a vow to let you know, to give you the inside scoop, to let you know what the plans of your enemy is. Let you know the plans of my father. So they were very clear about this code. They were very clear about the fact that they vowed to each other. We're going to be friends no matter what. We're going to stick together no matter what. We're going to uh, protect and cover our families no matter what. And the last thing that you should see of these six characteristics is commitment. So Saul burned with anger against Jonathan. When he began to see that Jonathan was covering for David, he said to him, you are an evil son. You have refused to obey me. I know that you're on the side of Jesse's son. I know that you're siding with him over me. Oh, you're going to be friends with him over family. You're going to be friends over me who's giving you um, the inheritance. Oh, you're going to side with him against me and you know that I don't like him. You know that he's my enemy. He said you should be ashamed of that and your mother should be ashamed of having a son like you. You will never be king as long as Jesse's son lives on this earth and you will never have a kingdom either. So you better send for Jesse's son. Bring him to me because he must die. And I'm in first Samuel 20 verses 30 through 31. So when Jonathan asked what David had done to deserve all of this, why why does David deserve all this wrath? Why does he deserve this death threat? Saul threw a spirit, Jonathan, at his own son. And Jonathan was very angry with him and he just left. But the next morning he went out to the field and shot arrows just as he promised he would. And he called out to his young helper, uh, the young man that was there, um, to throw the arrow farther. Hurry, run fast. And this was a signal to David that Saul wanted to kill him. This was a confirmation that David already had in his spirit. And so the boy retrieved the arrows and Jonathan sent him home. Then David came out from behind the rock and the two friends hugged and cried together. And Jonathan said to David, go in peace in the name of the Lord, because we've taken this oath. We've promised to be friends. And we said, the Lord is a witness between you and me. He is a witness between your children and my children forever. And they left. But the thing about it that I love about, jonathan and david's relationship is that that commitment was demonstrated it wasn't by words i'm not just telling you something just to tell you what you want to hear i'm not just giving you flowery words and and just saying this and that but i mean what i say i'm committed to you i'm demonstrating my commitment so much so that I'm forsaking family. I'm forsaking uh, a kingdom. I'm forsaking being heir and heir. I'm forsaking my relationship with my own father because I believe in what God put in you. I believe who you are in God, just like you believe in who I am to you. And that's found in 1 Samuel, the 20th chapter, verse 42. But my time is up um, and I've got to get out of here. But go back and read 1 Samuel chapters 18 through 20 and review these six characteristics that a covenant relationship should have as a result of the level of vulnerability within the covenant. Amen. Go back. Look at these six characteristics, connection, which is a divine connection, capacity, consistency, covering. Uh, There has to be a compact or some type of consent and commitment. Go back, assess your relationships, assess your friendships, assess your partnerships, assess those connections and relationships that you believe are about covenant. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I pray you've been blessed. But before I get out of here, I want to offer the gift of salvation or the gift of rededicating your life back to Christ. Roman 10 and 9 declares this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I promise you, it's always the right time to make the right decision. It's always the right time to make a U-turn. It's always the right time to rebuild your life. It's always the right time to give your life to Christ. I promise you, it will be one of the best decisions that you will ever make in your life. You got to know I'm cheering for you. And the best is yet to come. We have two more months to the end of this year. And I decree and declare that the best is yet to come. Well, I love you and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. Have an amazing week and may the blessing and favor of the Lord chase after you. Peace.